Good morning. My name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bellmead. If we haven't met, I would love the chance to get to know you. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us today. As Gracie mentioned, there's a yellow visitor card, and we would love to collect that, and we have a gift for you today. If you're online, we want to welcome you as well, and we hope you'll say hello to our online pastor, Rachel. Uh, I'm so thrilled, Gail, that you brought up the joyful and how that was a celebration, seeing leadership. Um, Last week, we had 160 people come to the Joyful Brunch, and it was just such a great time of hearing about our church and our vision and just uh, the energy that we have here. So thank you so much for lifting that up. Um, I want to let you know, too, before I get started, that next Sunday, we start our series on um, being joyful and having a generous and abundant life, and that begins with a Sunday that we call All Saints. And so uh, in the church, there's one Sunday out of the year where we celebrate and honor all of the saints that we have lost. And so uh, that will be next Sunday in both services. And we do that in the context of communion. And we remember that when we come to the table, we believe that we are communing with our saints at that heavenly feast. And so uh, we hope that you can join us next week as well. Today is the last Sunday of our sermon series, Wisdom to Live By. I hope that you have really enjoyed this mix of hearing people's experience, like Rita today, uh, and looking at the Psalms and uh, Proverbs. Last week, we looked at Proverbs chapter 4, and we saw this instruction that a father was giving his son. And at the end of that proverb, he said, above all else, so I've said all of these things, but here's the really important part. You know, above all else, guard your heart because everything flows from your heart. Keep watch of your mouth. Keep it free of perversity. Do not let corrupt talk come from your lips and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And so we talked about how it's good for us to have boundaries around our heart. Be careful about who we let in and what we let in because everything is an overflow from the condition of our hearts. And we said, as Christians, we sort of have these admonitions all throughout the letters of teaching what a church should look like, of people saying, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only speak what is beneficial for building people up. So we said, as people in the body of faith, we have to be careful about the way we talk, but especially the way that we talk to each other. And we said that uh, sometimes that corrupt talk from others can sort of derail us from that vision that Jesus has set before us, whether individually or for our church or for our company or for our family. And so we are trying to keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, as we come back to the Psalms, we started in the Psalms in week one, and now here we're going to end back in the Psalms. I want to lift up to you two things about the Psalms as a whole that I think feel relevant for our church. Uh, The first is that we often look at a a book of the Bible, um, and we think that there is one monolithic voice, and perhaps in some cases that is the truth. But in the book of Psalms, we have varying theological opinions all throughout. We have um, diverse experiences. And so when we look at a congregation, we know that we too have varying theological opinions. If we were to sit down and we were to talk about every single thing that we believe, we would find our differences, right? Uh, We know that we have varying and diverse experiences. Part of what we do when we show up at church is very countercultural, 
right? We live in a society of polarities and extremes. We hear one phrase or one label and we think that person doesn't think like me. I can't gain any insight or wisdom from them. But here at the church, because of what our scripture shows us, we have this opportunity to have a unity of the spirit, to learn from one another's theological thoughts and diversity of experience. And uh, we've partly been doing that throughout this series with sharings like Rita's and others. The other thing is that we often read the Psalms as one person's personal experience. Uh, And that can be true, but what we also know is that these Psalms were used in community, right? The people came together and they prayed these Psalms and they sang these Psalms. Um, They were the, the corporate liturgy of the worshiping body. And so sometimes when we show up to church, um, we bring our personal experience and think that that's just, that's just mine, that's just what I'm working through. But actually, our personal experience informs the communal one. And the communal experience informs our personal experience. What I mean by that is, you know, perhaps you show up today with some form of unbelief. Or perhaps you show up today and you think, wow, that's nice to believe that God is our shelter, but everything that I've been seeing in the world makes me feel like that isn't true, (laughs) right? But somebody else shows up and they've had this experience of God's faithfulness, of God being a shield and a defender, and we help one another in that tension of belief and unbelief. Sometimes that means that you don't even show up for just yourself. You are showing up for someone else. That's the power of gathering and worshiping together. Today, the psalm begins this way. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, The word Almighty in Hebrew is Shaddai, and it means the God of heaven. And so, you know, we in our world have these shadows that are cast of doubt and of fear, these shadows of of the valley of death that we walk but we're talking about uh, the shadow of the God of heaven that is one of shade and protection and shelter. He goes on to say, surely this God will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. That'd be funny if it was a snail though. (laughs) God will cover you with his feathers and refuge, his faithfulness to you or be your shield and your rampart. That's like a fortified wall. Earlier this week, I was talking with one of our church members, uh, Carol Cartwright. Perhaps you heard her name from Steve um, as we lifted her up because her older sister, Pat, passed away on Thursday. But earlier this week, uh, the family was still sitting in that tension of, of trying to figure out what to do next. And many of us have been in that, that situation before where our loved one has sort of got one foot in this life and one foot in eternal life, and we're here trying to decide uh, what is best for them. It's, it's a really hard place to sit. And so as Carol and I were talking on the phone on Monday, she started telling me about Pat and their relationship. And um, Pat is older than Carol, and it's just the two of them. And so uh, she said, you know what? Pat is, was my best friend. 
And she started to recall these memories uh, from childhood. And, and she remembered one when she was three years old and Pat was five years old. And we sort of marveled at how we have those memories, even being so young, that are etched into our hearts. And so uh, she said that she and, and Pat and their parents went to go and visit their grandparents in Detroit, Michigan. And after this long day of visiting and being with family, they got back in the car that evening to travel home to Portland, which I believe is about a two-hour drive. And she said, uh, at three and five, Pat and, and Carol climbed into the back seat, and she was like, Sam, remember, there are no seat belts, <laughs> you know? And so they climbed into the back seat, and I don't know if there wasn't enough space for both of them to, you know, to rest, but Carol said she remembers just being so tired and so exhausted. And so Pat said, um, Carol, I'm going to sit up, and I want you to come and lay your head in my lap. And as the sun went down and the family drove home, that older sister sat there and watched over her baby sister as she rested. And when I heard that, I thought, that must be what it means to rest in the shadow of the Almighty, to be covered and cared for and cradled by the wings of God. The next thing that the psalmist says to us is, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And so as you hear uh, these, these words, night, day, darkness, midday, we have this factor of time, right? So what I hear here is that no matter where we go or what we face or what time it is, God is there, right? God is on the clock. God is working the night shift. God is holding vigil with you when no one else is awake and the terror of the night seizes you, and the demons of the darkness stalk you. God is with you at the break of a new day when it doesn't feel like mercy, but it feels like another arrow that you're trying to dodge. God is with you in the middle of the day when you feel like that plague of exhaustion or loneliness or boredom or purposelessness. And we aren't talking about one set of 24 hours or even one week or even one month. We're talking about the clock of our lifetime, right? The God who is faithful through the years, through the ages, through the generations. And so the Psalms speak these things that God does. God saves and covers, rescues, protects, and delivers. And we believe the psalmist we know that to be true deep down in our being. Why? Because God has been faithful to us before, right? Sometimes we talk about the past, this element of time, as something that hinders us or blocks us from moving forward or finding healing. But what I'm saying is that in this case, our past informs our present, and it gives us hope for the future, Right? How will you survive the thing that you are dealing with right now because you have survived it before? Right? How will you find a way forward because you've been standing on the precipice before? And when you saw no way, God made a way. 
Now, this doesn't mean that real harm, that real disaster does not come to us and that we're not allowed to feel that and endure that. Um, in fact, I read verses uh, 9 through 12, I feel like they need some nuance, okay? So this is what they say. Say, if you say, the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, then no harm will overtake you and no disaster will come your way. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all Lift up their hands, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, we know that even when we pray, that even when we have deep faith, we run into those things that cause us harm, that feel like disaster and strife in our life. Now, what's interesting is that Psalm 91, these verses exactly, are used by the devil when he is tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And so Jesus uh, is, is fasting and praying in the wilderness 40 days before he begins his public ministry. And the devil comes to him and he tempts him with the power of the world, the power of this kingdom, trying to suck Jesus in to this culture, go away from God and God's kingdom and the way that it looks differently. And he takes him to the tip top of a temple and he says, you know what? Throw yourself off and pray for God to come and protect you. Why? Because Psalm 91, verses 11 through 12 say this. He will command his angels concerning you to come to you, and you will not strike your foot on a stone. But do you know what Jesus says? He corrects scripture with another scripture. He says, you know what? The scripture also says do not put the Lord God to a test. Jesus debunks this idea that because we believe in God, we never encounter anything hard in our lives. What we are doing by claiming the salvific nature of this psalm is saying even when, even when harm comes and disaster strikes, I believe that God is my refuge and my strength and my shelter and my fortress. And so this psalm ends with God's affirmation to humanity. God says, look, when you acknowledge me, when you call on me, I will answer you. When you are in trouble, I will come. When you need deliverance, I will show up. That is our past and present and future promise that God is our refuge, that God is our fortress, that God is the lap that we can rest on. Thanks be to God. Amen.